0: up is all over the building. We honor the word of God by, by the, uh, by standing here at the house of the Lord. So if you can, please, if you cannot, we understand. But I do want to read two verses as it relates to Father. We're continuing our series called, um, or we're continuing our assembly required series, is there are parts of us that just have to be put together in order for us to be everything that God wants us to be. And none of us come here all the way put together. We all have to have parts of us that need to be built and built upon. So life is something where it takes some assembling. Takes some assembling, amen? So we've been talking about building healthier relationships, and today I wanna talk about fathering. And in chapter seven of Samuel, God starts to have a dialogue prophet Nathan, who was the voice that God would speak to when he wanted to talk to David. And he was speaking to Nathan and he was telling Nathan that this is what I want you to tell David because David wants to build me a house and he wants to do some amazing things for me. And I don't want him to get it twisted. I don't want David to think that I work for him. I want David to understand that he's here for me, which is something we should all understand is just when God disappoints you, you got to remind yourself that, that he, don't, he don't work for us. We are here to serve and work for him, amen? So verse 13 in 2 Samuel says this. It says, he shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever and I will be his father and he shall be my son. And if he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rods of men and with the blows of the sons of men. We've got a few seconds, so uh, I want, I'm going to go to Hebrews chapter 1. You don't have to go there, but if you'll you indulge me and listen. Because these are the exact same words, very similar words that Jesus said, to, that God the Father said to Jesus' His son. The same thing he told David, he told his son, and this is what he said in Hebrews. 1 verse 5, he said, for which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son? This is God talking to Jesus. You are my son and today I have begotten you and again I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. And the word of the Lord is blessed. Would you find three people and say, color me father. Color me father. Color me father. Color me father. Amen. Uh, Y'all looking like, what in the world is color me Father, me, find one person, tell them, calling me Father. Father, in Jesus' name, as we prepare to step into the Word of God, I pray God that Your grace and Your anointing would be rest in this place. Father, I pray that there would be such clarity that even the least among us would not err. And Father, I pray that You would send an anointing that makes teaching and preaching the gospel simple, and an anointing that makes receiving the gospel even easier. If they're watching by the airwaves, God, let this anointing rest in their in their in their homes and in cars and on their phones and on their computer screens. And God, we thank you for this now in the name of Jesus who is the Christ. Somebody shout amen. Amen. Smile at somebody. Take your seat. Say, it's just church. It's just church. Call me Father. Uh, obviously, today is Father's Day, and sometimes the most difficult days or maybe even the, the easiest days come along these, these holidays, you know, where it is an expectation that you talk about whatever the holiday is. So today is Father's Day, and as we have already given a hearty, happy Father's Day to all of the dads, we salute you. And, and today we find strength in the word of God because of the position that you carry in the earth. Fathering is important. And I'm going to say that again until you say, "Amen. Fathering is important. And that's critical that we understand that Father is important, because there are theorists that have theorized in historic past that there is nothing inherent in fatherhood that's distinctive or important for children. That there's nothing that is important for children as it relates to fathering and as it relates to fatherhood. It was the idea that the most important thing in a child's life, person in a child's life would be its mother. And that because the mothers have the aptitude and the ability to, uh, to elongate their skill set to do fatherly tasks more so than a father can elongate his skill set to do motherly tasks. It somewhat rendered the purpose and the necessity of a father in a child's life as muted. So this is the idea that the early um, the, some of the earlier uh, psychology and concepts about fathering was perpetuated throughout our communities and humanity. And this is important because uh, they had to take an about face when they started to realize that the outcomes of society were not matching the data that they had in their study. And the outcomes of society was that there was a high, a significantly high rate of, uh, of emotional uh, the lack of emotional development particularly among girls very interesting and that there was high levels of anger that was associated with young boys and the facts were showing and they still show that a high percentage of violent criminal offenders didn't have fathers didn't have active fathers a high level of abusive men to their spouses didn't have fathers. So they had to start to rethink the idea, and they began to rethink the idea, and they came up with this understanding that one of the reasons why, they came, why the, the psychologists came to the conclusions that they had done is because there was such an in, inordinate amount of studies on the effects of motherhood to society that there simply were very little, there was very little data about maleness to society. So they were making their ideas and their judgments off of minimal information. That's a message that you should take beyond this message, is that you got to be careful making judgments about folks you don't have information about. So, he st- so they minimize the importance. Boy, I could keep on preaching there. Because you'll minimize the importance of what you're not informed about. Even though it's vitally important, if you don't have the information, then you can devalue its importance because of that lack of knowledge. And that's what was happening in the father. so they've been inundating the market with studies about fathering. And they're starting to realize that a dad's role is vitally important to the development, the healthy development of a child. The, la- the language is just starting to catch up. It's just starting to catch up with, with the reality That is important for men to be fathers and for fathers and for fathering to matter. So, the idea of the demasculation of community and demasculation of our society is no longer the chic thing to teach and to talk about because our children are starting to demand that their dads be something they have not been trained to be, which is present. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So this, this idea is critical. But science is always an interesting dynamic because the Bible has been verifying science since the study of science began. And to me, it just seems like if science would start with scripture, it wouldn't have to correct itself every 50 years. But I understand that, you know, sometimes, you know, humanity wants to be the progenerator of its own ingenuity. But we ultimately find ourselves back at the context of the Bible. And the Bible has been showing itself a valuable tool of helping men understand the value of their fathership. So much to the degree that when God began to uh, unveil his plan for the universe. That when God said that I'm going to be a God to a creation... The way that he chooses to release a revelation of himself was a very interesting revelation. The Bible tells us to let him be our example for the way that we would walk in this life. And if God is our example, then it's important for us to pay attention to the way that he has unveiled himself to humanity. And in humanity, it is critical because God does nothing on accident. He is intentional about everything. That when he released himself to us, he did not release himself to us as a friend. He did not give us a revelation of himself as a sibling. He did not give his revelation of himself to us as our mother. He instead gave himself as a self-relevatory expression to humanity. He said to us, I will be your heavenly father. So it's critical now. That we be mindful of the way that God operates. And if God would say that I'll be a father to humanity, then anything that he calls a father must take on the characteristics of the heavenly father. And the church said, what does that mean? Because those are some big shoes to fill. Well, let's understand the definition of father. In the Bible, the word pater is the Greek word for father. We get this idea, Abba, or Daddy, is an affectionate term that we get in the Old Testament. Abba, Father, or our Father, which is to say Daddy. It, that's an affectionate term. That doesn't mean Father. Pater is the closest word. What pater means in a, real, in a real simple definition, pater is the substance by which all things that the substance is responsible for will draw its strength. So a father or a pater is not just a male in the union of a husband and wife situation and uh, something that has children. It is the substance by which everything that the substance is responsible for will draw its meaning and its strength and its energy. That is what a father is. That is critical when you say that, God, you mean to tell me, that if I'm going to position myself in the earth, that I have to be a pater. Well, what is a pater? I must become the substance by which everything that is birthed out of me has the ability to draw its meaning from. That is the role of a father. That everything he births, he's supposed to help supply the primary meaning of it. And it should be able to draw strength. From the patturb that's in his life, I'm going to help us in here for a second, because when a father is missing, there is a, pl- there is a displacement of where we choose to draw strength from. It, when a father is missing, there is a displacement of where we choose to find meaning from, is that the father's role in the life of humanity, God the Father. And the father's role in the life of his family is a whole lot more than just being the male energy inside of the house. But he has to be a participant in the journey of the development, watch this, of everything he has chosen to be responsible of. Did you hear what I just said? Everything he has chosen to be responsible of. So a father doesn't get to pick and choose to be responsible for the children that live in his house, but not for the ones that live out his house. I'm preaching better than y'all are saying amen. A father doesn't get to pick and choose which child he likes the best or which one he wants to be responsible to. A father of biblical proportions is now allowing everything that he has chosen to be responsible for in the earth literally draw its strength and feed from his person. That means that if you're a dad, you've got to develop into the kind of a man that somebody can draw something from you from. I'm going to say that again. You got to become the kind of man where somebody can draw something from. You have to grow in your intellect, grow in your knowledge, grow in your resources, grow in your aptitude, grow in your networking. Because if you're going to be responsible for two, three, five other babies, they've got to have the opportunity to reach from you and draw substance from your life because that is fathering. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It becomes, a, 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 it is an added challenge to maleness to be a father. Because maleness and fathering are separate in playing. It is, you are male by birth, you are fathered by what you have brought into the earth. And, uh, and, this, and you're a daddy by how you choose to respond to it. So just because you're not being a daddy don't mean you're not a father. Did, you, did y'all catch that? Did you catch that? You know, somebody's like, oh, he's a man, but he ain't a father. No, if he had you, he's a father. He just ain't a daddy. Are oh, you hearing what I'm saying? And, and you can't let a person get away from their responsibility of being father just because they're not playing daddy. So, he, so the challenge with maleness, and maleness and fathering are two different planes. Maleness is who I came into this earth as. Fathering is what is the way that I choose to respond to what I birthed in the earth and who I'm responsible to. The challenge with maleness and fathering is that sometimes they run antithetical. They have three, there there are a couple of things that become barriers to fathers, males rather, being good fathers. The first barrier is his affinity to withhold his emotions. You've got to understand the dynamic of the way it works when a woman gets pregnant. When a woman gets pregnant, she now has an embryo that is operating inside of her body who is fighting for its opportunity to become life. And not only is it fighting for its opportunity to become life, the woman is fighting with the child to help the child become life. So everything in the body in the in the embryo is swirling through the womb of the woman, looking for a place to blood attach. Stay with me now. To literally blood attach. Meaning that the the, the embryo is looking for the uterine lining to grab a hold of the uterine lining and it will release itself into it. At the same time, the woman's body is starting to shift and to change to help the thing that is inside of her survive. It is a challenge. It is a wrestling. It is a struggle together between two lives trying to fight for the survival of a life. This is what happens inside of a woman's body. What happens with a man now is that a male who has the first seed, he has life inside of him, now will release life to his wife or his woman. He releases life to the woman, and then he is now disconnected from the process. Do you see what is happening now? He's disconnected from a process that's taking control and that is taking on inside of him. Not only is there a process that's taken on inside of the woman, the process is both natural and spiritual. If you think it's just a natural thing, then you don't understand the way that God views this world. What God sees when God creates a space for men and uh, for a woman and a child to be created, what God has started is a spiritual conceptual idea, not just what's taking place inside of the woman's body. So in God, this thing has existed in eternity. In this woman, she has been prepared by God and she is about to have an encounter with a physical seed and an eternal idea that is in God. When a child, when a woman is impregnated, she is now about to take on information that the child will learn through experience, but that he comes with because God has already put his DNA on him while he or she was still in eternity. Are you still following me? All of this is happening inside of the woman. So, as the child grows, the child is cognitively learning things about itself. But it has also spiritually been alive in the mind of God for all of its life. So what is happening with the development between male, and or female rather, and its child is that there is a spiritual knowing that is taking place. And there is a physical learning that is taking place. This is why you as women that have had children, you can tell us the personality of your child before it even comes out of your body. You ever done that before? This one's going to be a a stubborn one. This one is going to be a fighter. This one is going to be, you know, you already can determine personality traits about your children before they even come out of your body. You're not by osmosis. It's not because of some magical trick. You're not that good at developing personality. It's because you are literally building relationships inside of your own self with your child. So much to the degree that it is not just natural, it is also spiritual. Aster, that makes no sense that I can make a spiritual connection with the thing that is inside of my stomach. Well, can I take you to the Bible? In the scripture, the Bible says that Mary was, the, the, uh, was related to Elizabeth. And Elizabeth had a child who was six months older than, than, than Mary's child. The Bible said that when Mary realized she was conceived, she went to Elizabeth's house who had in her womb a six-month-old child named John the Baptist. The Bible says that when Mary, who was three months pregnant, came across John, who was uh, Elizabeth, who had a child where she was six months pregnant, that the child in her stomach began to leap in her stomach. That uh, that as the child leaped, it leapt, the Bible said, because it was rejoicing at the fact that the seed that was in Mary was in the presence of the child that was in Elizabeth. It was not nobody talked. They didn't text each other in the womb. Nobody picked up a phone and called. It was a spiritual connection between the thing that cannot speak or be seen connecting to another thing that that cannot speak or be seen because there is a communication that takes place in the spirit that allows there to be relationship before there is life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? A mother gets to do this for nine months. She has a nine-month head start on her husband and an eternal head start on her husband. And what a male now has to do is he has to connect with what you got a head start on. His challenge in fatherhood is not being present, it's catching up to what you've been doing for the last nine months and eventually off into eternity. So what happens is that when there's a disconnect between fathers and their children, we have a tendency to give them right back to the person that has made a connection with them because we have barriers that are going on in our life that keep us from the real thing that makes fathering important, and that is bonding and relationship. We've got three primary barriers. The first barrier is our, desire, is our, our affinity with withholding emotion. It is critical that, mo- that much of what has taken place with a mom and his child is at an emotional level. It is not at a cognitive intellectual level. Am I- is this too much for y'all? Or y'all are y'all all right? It is at an emotional level. There is a sense. There is a feel. There is a growth. There is a connect. There is a battle happening that you connect with that is, that, that is, that is emotionally driven and spiritually understood. The man is disconnected from that. He's got no, he doesn't understand all of it. He don't get the sickness and he doesn't get the conversation and he doesn't get all of this. And, and when he is connected from this, the way he catches up with time is he has to lay himself at the altar of his children his babies that don't understand what uh, uh, what the mother was able to spiritually connect he's got to try to figure out in the real world how am i going to connect because I can't talk to them because a four-month-old is a horrible conversationalist. So I can't tell you what I, who you are and I can't tell you what I, what, how I'm feeling. I can't be vulnerable to a three or two, year, you know, a one-year-old. I struggle with those things. So how do I build up the time with my propensity to withhold my emotions? I withhold my emotions because withholding emotions is a part of masculinity. It is not just a social behavior, but it is perhaps also proven to be a biblical behavior. That when God separated man and made woman out of man, he some kind of way put a lot of the hormonal, emotional context in her being, generally speaking. So as a process, what is happening to us, to men, is that we are not as in general, emotional, emotional as our female counterpart. We don't feel our way through this world. We think our way through this world almost to a fault. Where sometimes you would just be asking, man, well, can you just have a heart for something? Will you just feel me on something? Will you just choose not to overthink it and just let yourself go? Men struggle with that. Brothers struggle with that. And here's the thing, if we want to just be truthful, you, you want him to struggle with that a little bit. The challenge is when he struggles with his children. But you want him to struggle with that. The, the challenge with him not with him struggling with that is the idea that if he is too estrogenically challenged, if he is releasing too much estrogen, and you are a heterosexual woman, you are going to struggle with a man that operates in this world with more estrogenic energy than you are, than you have. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, as when you when you operate in emotion and you are given and the freedom and the space to release emotion. Then that is one of the safest places a woman can be, is to say that she's hurt and not be judged by it, or to say that she's that she's got anger and, not, and us not try to fix it. It's one of the safest places where she can lay out and release emotional aspects of who she is, because this is the way that God made her. He loaded her with the hormones to adapt to the birthing process of a human being, and through the process, she gets to release all of her hormonal releases, and it comes across as emotional and we call that femininity and we fall in love with that the problem is is when there are no men and men are raised by women only and men bring into this world a feminine aspect of who they are stay with me because this is not a sexuality conversation this is a conversation of what one writer called the feminized male this is males men that are heterosexual but they have so much estrogenic energy because they have been raised primarily in female contexts where they have been taught to release their emotion instead of operate in the cocoon of masculinity and their testosterone and on one level we celebrate the fact that this brother can cry with you but on the other level when you eventually marry him and stuff starts happening in your life and both of y'all lay it out on the floor crying you look up like wait a minute now you're like, now wait, huh? now wait a minute now. Like, you know, I mean, I was all about you being in touch and all that kind of stuff, but we can't both be crying over the bills. I mean, you know, you know, I need to be able to read. And the problem with that is that on one hand, you'll celebrate it, but you'll celebrate it because it, it, it brings a partner into the conversation. But at the, other, at the other end of the extreme is that we both can't be this in the moment of crisis, And because a woman does have the flexibility to become more masculine dominant than a male has to become feminine dominant, you get off the floor first. And when you get off the floor first and say now look, now we got to do something about this situation, you're going to have a problem. And what is the problem? Is that I can't cry, I can't be at my best, I cannot release emotion when I'm not at my best. Because you down here on the floor crying with me. Now, somebody's got to get up and because mama raised me to be a woman and she pampered you as a boy, I'm the only one that's got responsibility Jean, in this marriage and now I'm got to get up and make it work for this house. But there's a problem with that because while you land out on the floor and I've got to be less of me and be more of you, I'm going to lose respect for you. I'm losing respect for you because you are doing me and I don't get to do me. And this is where y'all come up with this if I'm going to do bad. I'm going to do bad. You go see, look at y'all, look at y'all, look at y'all. Look at, look at all the sisters like, by myself. If I be bad, I just be bad, mama, I can do it. And because after a while, we raise up these young men who don't have anyone to test. Their testosterone, nobody to push on their masculinity, on their maleness. And when they grow, they move in the world the same way our sisters move in this world. And what happens to a heterosexual woman is she looks up and says, I'm not attracted to estrogen. God, I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen. Amen. I'm not attracted. It ain't got nothing to do with how pretty you are and how handsome he is. And he's fine. That's why you let him take him out. But when crisis came, you're like, I'm not attracted to that because y'all have a tendency to go beyond physical beauty. And now I want to know what you're made of. And when a sister goes into a man and he made of the same stuff she's made of, those two don't work for a heterosexual. Am I helping anybody in here? So, so when men are moved from the house, and when men are removed from community, we raise other men that struggle with giving the balance that community needs if we are going to have healthy children. Now the downside of this is that we have this barrier that, uh, re- that, allow, that stops us some kind of way of being emotional. So even the most masculine man has gone to the way to the extreme, where we release no emotion. And it's going to take emotion if you're going to connect with our children. It's going to take a, v- a vulnerability. It's going to take being open. It's going to take, watch this, more than just saying I'm with you. It's going to take that I'm with you in both spirit and at both physically and in spirit. I am more than just there, but I'm present and my heart is here and my life is here. It's more than give me the baby, let's have skin-to-skin contact. It is, it is, how many of y'all ever seen Roots? I know some of y'all are too young, but, but. But what did he say when he held his child up and he showed his newborn baby the stars and the moon and he said, behold, the only thing greater than yourself. He said that's the kind of involvement is he was telling his child, I want you to look at God. And God is the only thing in this universe greater than you. That there is, no, And this is the level of vulnerability that men have to come out of ourselves. And it is a barrier for us when it comes to connecting and to catching up. The second barrier that we have and that we struggle with oftentimes is the barrier of our comfortability with distance. We are comfortable with distance. Men, many men, we will stay at a distance from the things that we uh, struggle to understand. If I can't control it, I'm going to get distant from it. That's why if you notice your men, when they go through stuff in their life, they go to the cave before they come to you. Because they start to figure it out at a distance. When men don't figure things out well, they withdraw and they create distance. Why is that? The primary reason is the way that God created men. Is this helping anybody today? The primary reason is the way God created men. When God creates Adam, he tells Adam that I want you to go into the garden and I want you to work the garden. Adam was made for his service to the earth. So many men, we get a great sense of meaning out of a the work that we do in the world. Many men feel like they are the greatest man in the world when they go out and they put in work and they work with their mind and work with their hands. And they can, whatever the check looks like, they feel very satisfied with that. Most men do because of the way that God created the, uh, the average male in general. Women were very different because God did not create them for the work. The Bible says that when when Eve was taken and fashioned out of Adam, that she would be a helpmate to him. That means that she would now be connected to relational things as opposed to vocational things. And he said, and so God now has woman in the earth, and we are obviously speaking very general, that when man, a man, is out in the world giving the best of himself to the world, he has aspects of him that could be very relational, but he gets a great sense of satisfaction out of being moving and forming and building and tearing down and starting over, where, the, where women get a good satisfaction out of relational things. That if my God loves me and if my partner is with me and if my children love me and and I'll make sure that I create an environment for relationship, not necessarily create an environment for empires. And that doesn't mean that women can't build empires, but it's the idea that when God created Adam, he was created for the distance from relationship. Eve would chase him to connect with him because she was yearning and created for a relation. He will keep the distance from relational things. That's why we don't want to tell you when we hurt. We don't want to talk about, like, please don't dig into my stuff and make me open up and tell you anything that's deeper than me other than what I'm ready to give to you in the moment that we're talking. Please. That's the way men function. And that's not a bad thing, but it is a barrier. When you have to build relationship with your children. The third barrier is the fact that A and B cause a bigger wall. So if I'm a person who is is in love with my comfortability and I'm in love with the fact that I've got these distances away, how can I build relationship with a child? that needs my intimacy and my openness and needs no walls and needs me to be as vulnerable as I've ever been before them. When I've got all of these male barriers that are operating in my life, watch this, that don't even necessarily make me wrong, but one of the reasons we don't walk in them is simply because we didn't know they existed. We didn't know that we existed. We didn't know that every time I go into my cave room, there's a woman upstairs saying, what did I do wrong? We didn't know that. Am I helping anybody? Am I helping anybody? We, did. we just simply didn't know. We just simply didn't know that spending more time at work and not prioritizing the household, what, what that said to our daughters and to our sons at home. We just did not know these things. It's not that because we were taught that, hey, get up and go to work and spend as much time at work and make sure the family has everything it needs while there's a son at home saying, I don't think dad likes me much. Hmm? So I want to give you five things real quick, biblically speaking, that will help us be more like the way God has been to us as a father. I want to give these five examples. Brothers, y'all all right today? Amen. All right, all right. Write this down. Here's, here's some characteristics about a father as it relates to the way that God d- chose to deal with David. Here's the first thing. Is that, good, is that fathers prioritize family? Somebody shall prioritize family. Say that loud. Shall prioritize family. That this is an important aspect of the way men operate in this earth. Look at what God says to them. He says, Nathan, I want you to go tell David that I'm going to be to him a father. He says, I want you to go and tell him that. Watch this. He didn't say go tell him I'm going to be his God. He didn't say go and tell him that I'm going to be his savior. He didn't, don't go tell him that I'm going to save the day for him and I'm going to cover the kingdom. He said, first of all, you go tell him I'm going to be a father to him. What does it mean when he says, I want you to tell him that I'll be a father? What God is trying to get David to understand is that there is a unit that you have to be accountable to. This is what he's saying, that you as a family, and you've got to be accountable to this. I'm going to be a father to you. I am going to be an accountability space for you. I'm going to be somebody to cover you and protect you, and I'm going to set the standard by which you are going to have to work in order to be to, to, to walk in. I'm going to be a father. Let David, know he's not going to have to do this world alone. He's not going to have to figure it out by himself that even if I don't have all the answers, I'm going to be present enough and we'll figure it out together. This is the power of a modern-day father, is that when a father prioritizes his family, what he tells his family is that I'm in it with you. What he tells his children is that you will have accountability in this world. What he is telling them is that I'm going to be responsible for you. And there is not a better feeling in this world than when somebody is willing to take ownership for your presence. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There is nothing more wonderful than when somebody decides that I'm going to take ownership of you being here. I will stand for you. I will fight for you. When you get into trouble, I'm going to be at the school with you. When you mess up, I'm going to stand beside you. Before you get there, I will have paved the way for you. I have been through so much stuff in this world. I've got power over experiences so I can help you through experiences. That is what a father does when he gets ready to prioritize family. Is He makes, mo- he makes time emotionally and spiritually and physically for the Thing that God has made him responsible for. The Bible said that if anybody doesn't provide for his own household, and he is especially for those in his own household, he said he is he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That's what the, that's what First Timothy said. He says, man, if you're not willing to be connected to your household, and you're not willing to provide the stuff that a house needs, and that's not just money, it's not just economics, but if you're emotionally bankrupt. If you're spiritually depleted, if you are physically inapt to being there, God says that, man, if you do not provide these things for your home to God, he said it don't mean you're not saved. It just means that, I, that you have denied the power that is within your faith, and to me, you are worse than, a, than an unbeliever. That's a powerful thing for God to say. Hey, that word unbeliever is, is in the King James, infidel. What an infidel is, and we don't like that word, and and primarily because of, uh, you know, all of the Bibles that have been rewritten since 9-11 have have, uh, really changed that word to the word unbeliever because of the way our modern context speaks about infidel. But let me help you understand what an infidel is. What an infidel is is a person who is rebellious to a particular way of life, who is a threat to a particular way of life. So what an infidel becomes is it becomes a person who is, who is threatening to something that uh, is time-tested or something that is already accepted. So, this, so the Bible helps us understand that in God's eyes, he's saying that what I got in this word is time-tested. That what I'm putting down on this table is time-tested and it functions and it works. And when a person decides that he doesn't want to prioritize his family to God, you are circumventing a time-tested thing called family. And it will destroy unions and it will destroy people and it will destroy communities. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The second thing that God does and that God tells David, he said, uh, and that fathers should keep in mind, is that fathers have to always continue to improve communication. If, we're go- if we are to be good fathers, we must improve our communication. Somebody shout, improve communication. We have to improve our communication. Uh, there are so many ways that we dialogue in this world. And unfortunately, many of us as guys, we just just dialogue at one level. We dialogue with our mouths. We dialogue with our mouths. Or if we don't use our mouths, we just dialogue with our actions. And, And life is about communicating many things. It's not just about communicating what I speak, it's about communicating what I do, and it's not just what I do, it's how I do it, and it's not just how I do it, it's the spirit in which I choose to do it with, and it's not just the spirit that I do it with, it's the energy that I give while it's being performed, because you can perform the right thing with the wrong energy. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So this becomes critical now. So for brothers, it's not just that we say it, and it's not just that we we make it and act it out in, in lovemaking, and it's not just that we act it out in financial giving, but communication has to do with not just what I say, but how I say it and how I'm receiving the dialogue back to me. Watch what he says. He says that I'm going to be to him a father, and he's going to be my son. He says you're going to be my son. He says you're not just going to be. He says I want you to. I want to communicate something to you. This is what God is telling David. I'm going to communicate something to you, and I'm going to communicate this, and this should be encouraging to you, David. This should enlighten you, David. This should help you find out who you are, David, is that you are going to be my son. This is what God communicates. You are going to be my son. You're not anybody else's child. You're my son. And this is important for fathers. Because to a man, there should be nothing more important to you than the standard that your last name represents. Your last name should not just be whatever it is. Your last name should be a set of integral traits. Your last name should be a set of character traits that represent your integrity, represent your faith, represent your belief system and your values. And when you have children, you tell your children that I'm going to be your father and you are going to be my son. What is God saying to David? And you are going to be the person that I'm going to pour into to carry my traits. So when you, if you think that I'm amazing, I'm about to make you amazing. If you think that I'm powerful, I'm about to make you powerful. If you think that I'm next level, I'm going to pour into you and I'm going to make you next level. That's what how we communicate to our children. You're amazing. You're not the drag of the earth. I want you, not that you can. You 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 are in, in my space. I need you. This is how we declare and communicate as fathers. Because when a father says it, everything in the universe starts to get in line with the voice of the lion when it roars. I wish I had some help in this place. I need a father to raise their voice and give God about five seconds of praise. I improve my communication as a father because I remind my children that they belong to me. God put you in this earth and you are my child and you're not going to walk around here acting like somebody else is up the street. See, my parents used to say stuff like this. I don't care what they do at their house, but you are my child and we are going to act. See, that's the way God does us. God comes to us and he says, I don't care what they're doing out in the world, but you are my child and I'm not going to let you do your life any kind of way that you want to get it done because if you go out in the world and represent something you are representing me and what y'all ain't talking back to me in here I need somebody to take advantage and take the opportunity to give God the praise for the power in your last name God says you my child you're my child you're my no we don't talk like that in my house no we don't behave like that in my kingdom no we don't treat each other like that in my house that's the way you belong to me you are my I you are my son are you hearing what I'm saying he says you're mine you're mine you're mine that but you got to communicate that because when a child feels wanted they'll try to raise up to the standard are you hearing what I just said to you when a child feels like I'm necessary, like I'm wanted, like somebody believes in me, like he's, I, who am I that he will pour all of this into me? You are somebody that I believe in, son. You are somebody that I believe in, daughter. And even though we are in, go up and down in life, I have the capacity to pour into you and communicate to you that you are a necessary force in this family. Improved communications, as apples of gold in silver carvings, so is the word spoken in the right time. But our father, he says that every man must be swift about hearing and slow about speaking and slow to wrath. Every man must not just speak and communicate, he must feel and communicate. I'm learning how to feel in my older years. Just, you're just learning how that there's more to to life than what I say. There's more to life than what I do because I got the power to emit stuff. I'm going to come over here. Y'all more spiritual. I got the power to, I got more power. No, y'all not. I, I got the power to release Stuff I got the power to emit stuff. Without saying a word, you can make me feel like the most amazing person in this room. Without saying a word, I can make you feel like you matter. Without saying a word, I can make you feel belong. Without saying a word, you can, I can make you, the nuances of life, men fail to communicate. Men fail to communicate in nuance because we're so broad-stroked and women are so detailed. And when you're in broad-stroked, you feel like, well, I went to work. that, what that mean? Don't that mean I love y'all? And, you know, and, and as a broad stroke, yes, it does. But as a detail, it does not. I was telling first service that, see, there's a difference between being clean and being neat. Like, I'm clean. I ain't all that neat. And the difference between clean and neat is that clean means that it's clean. Neat means that it's detailed. So I'm going to clean the kitchen. I not, might not put everything back where it belongs because I ain't detailed like that. Look at that. We, now we've now we got comedy hour on Sundays at 10, ladies and gentlemen. So like, are you hearing what I'm saying? But, this is, but and, and many men will operate through life with broad strokes, and we have not learned that, that, that our children need the detail. He doesn't just need you at the game. He needs you at the game off your phone. Yeah. Am I helping anybody in here? Fellas, are y'all with me? Are y'all with me? Are y'all with me? This is, what we, this is what I learned. See, I was very fortunate to grow up in an era where people didn't have cell phones all the time. And there wasn't so much happening in every moment of their lives. And I didn't realize that, this was, that, that, that it could not be this way because I had the kind of father structure where he was always present when he was in our presence. And he was, and if he was at a ball game or if he was at practice, he was intently involved because he didn't have a lot of other things going. That was just—I don't know who he would have been if he didn't have those things. But I know that when, I, as I, as life goes on, there become these barriers. So who are present, but who, are, who, are, who have given their presents? But because they're doing this all the time, they're not present. I'm, I'm, come on, fathers. Come on, fathers. I take care of my kids, but you can't be through the zoo like this all the time. Uh, uh. So, so, now, so now improving our communication. And if we can learn how to communicate on all the levels communication takes place and become more detailed, we can catch up ground that we lost to, to the child's mothers. Go to, go to the next one real quick. I believe this is number four. Number four is this. is. Am I number three? All right. Number three is important, is that we give loving discipline. Fathers have to give loving discipline. Watch what God says to his children. He says says, says this uh, about discipline. He said, now, if he commits iniquity, I will chasten him. He said, you go and you tell David that if he gets off road and if he gets off base, he says, I will chasten him. Why? Because in the book of Proverbs, the Bible says that God loves, he chastens those that he loves. And and sometimes it doesn't always feel very loving when we're being chastened, and the idea of being chastened is a problem, particularly when you're a father who has some steps behind. You're already playing catch-up with the intimacy for your children to really connect, and if you're a bonus parent, you're like 10 steps behind even a natural parent. And it's hard sometimes when you've got time and you're trying to play catch-up to discipline while you're trying to play catch-up. So as a result, many fathers only discipline their sons. Because we're always trying to play catch-up. So I don't want to raise my voice to my daughters. And I don't want to, you know, discipline my daughters. And I don't want to, so, so we turn the majority of that part of it over to mom. Y'all not talking back to me today. It, because, you know, to the man that has learned how to discipline his daughter, to the man that has learned how to say no to his daughter, I told you, y'all should write a book, man. You'll be a billionaire by the end of the month. If you ever figure, because saying no to a little girl when you are a man. Is one of the biggest challenges that you'll ever have to operate in, particularly when you're behind and you see that there is a desire for the affection. And I don't want to disrupt the pursuit toward the affection that I'm supposed to be given by being disciplined. And if because if I discipline her, then some kind of way it means, at least to ourselves, it means that I will have halted my progress at the least and taken steps back in my progress at the most because a child doesn't know how to love after they've been disciplined. That's what we have been taught to tell ourselves. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And in the moments when we want to be there the most, she don't want you. She want her mama. Help! Like, what happened? Like, I was right here. No, I'm going to the one that disciplines me. I'm going, "Ah," because you're chasing those whom... Y'all not talking back to me in here. You don't run to the one one that always says yes. You don't run to the one that seems like they're not connected. You don't run to the one that seems like they could care less. You always run to the one that you know, you know what, this person got some standards. This person got some discipline. This person know how to deal with conflict. This person, and they run right past daycare daddy. And they they run to the ones that know how to discipline. Am I helping y'all in here today? All right, so fathers give loving discipline. God said, he said, listen, I want you to tell David that if he blows it, he said, you tell David that I'm going to be in his stuff. You tell David that I believe in him so much and I believe in the value of my last name so much that if he blows it, if he ruins it, if he starts going down the wrong path, I'm going to chasten him. I'm going to challenge him. I'm going to hold him accountable to the decisions that he chooses to make. He says and not only am I going to chasten him by men, I'm going to chasten him by the sons of man. And what does that mean? He says that not only is he going to have to deal with the repercussions of offending another man, You're going to have to deal with the repercussions of what I have controlled and told the universe to do to people that don't do good stuff. If you sow it, you're going to reap it. And he says, so don't try to think that you can sow things in the earth and I'm not going to let the earth do what I commanded it to do. He says, so David, if you go nutty and go crazy, I'm going to allow life to chasten you, to get you back on track. Because I love you. And that's what fathers do. Because you'll never be independent and you'll never be responsible. Watch this. And you'll never be able to love another thing that, is, that you'll be responsible for if I don't father you this way. Now, go to number four. Yeah. Here's the number four. And this is important. Fathers, it is critical that you respect your children's mothers. It's critical that you respect your children's mother. She is still... In most regards, by the psychologist, the primary relationship, she is still by most psychologists the primary connective piece. And you cannot offend something that someone loves and it not bounce back to you. Did I just help you? With something? You can't offend something that somebody loves. You don't, get to treat it, you don't get to treat your children's mother any kind of way. If you're married, if you're not married, because I want this to be, this, I want this to be connected. That if you're married, if you're not married, I want you to see how this this works. Because sometimes the Bible says for husbands to love their wives. And then the Bible also tells them uh, to make sure that they uh, individually love their wives the way that they love themselves. That's if you're married. But if you have a child and you're not married to the child's mother, the same principle goes. Is that there has to be respect about the child's mother because the child is going to take it out on the furthest one from their heart. God, I wish I had some help in here. Are oh, you hearing what I'm saying? This, this becomes a critical piece. Uh, it, it, it becomes a, a real critical piece. Um, uh, it, it's a critical piece as it relates to love and respect because when it comes to, to a child, the way that God has situated parents and children's lives is we become God figures to our children. They will learn about their heavenly father through the relationship of the persons that they, they have to re, re, respond to the most. So as parents, we become very God-like because everything our young children get from us, they got to come through us in order to get it. So the parameters that we create as parents are oftentimes the lenses by which they'll see God when you bring them to church one Sunday. And say, now it's time for you to know God for yourself. Well, they're going to respond to him according to the only God figures that they understand, which are their parents. And if they have the kind of parents that can disrespect one another at the God level, it's easy for them to see that God can be that kind of person to them. Jesus, help me in this place. But when I see harmony, even though they're not in the same house, I see security. When I see harmony, even though they're not in the same house, I see that I'm loved everywhere I turn around. Even though there's harmony when I'm in the same house, I see that they chasing whom they love. So I can't get away with it here and not get, a, get with, away with it over there because there's a connectivity. And and if a father chooses to take his adult issues out to his six-year-old child, or ten-year-old child, or four-year-old baby, if he chooses to take his issues with the parent out on the child, you do the child a disservice. Am I helping you this morning? Listen to why this is important. Because you're 35 and can't deal with it. Why do you think your four-year-old can deal with it? And it is not good parenting, period, but particularly good fathering. When when I have left a child in a situation to feel that when they go to their mother's house, they're not going to be as protected. That they're not going to be as loved. That there's some kind of way it's shorter balance of love in that place. Watch what this communicates to you. Why would you send me there? And those are not the questions that they ask at 7. But they do start to internalize them around 13, around 14. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's serving you. It's not serving children. And as fathers, this becomes important. So, and here's the final thing I want, to, I want to give you before we head out of here today. Is that the fifth and the final attribute I want to challenge dads to is the value of applying God's wisdom. Is the value of applying God's wisdom. He says this, he says, he says he said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Why is that important? I mean, you know, that word strength is, is critical because that word strength could very easily be switched with vitality. He says that I want you to honor, he said, I want you to love me with all your heart, your soul, and with all your vitality. The very best of who you are, I want you to love me with. This is what God told us as human beings. He says, don't just love me with lip service. Don't just love me religiously. He said, but all that you are. And what do I mean when I say vitality? Have you, if you've ever loved something, you know the lengths of yourself that you will give yourself to for a thing that you love. You know the energy in which you'll pursue something for if you love it. You know that there is nothing about yourself that you withhold. When you love something, you pull all of your cachet out to try to show it that you're into it. You pull all your little money out if you got it. If you cute, you try to put on your cute to show that you love it. If you've got connections and relationships, you try to balance those connections to show off that you love it. If you've got some swag, you try to throw your swag on if you love it. Well, That is what the Bible means when he says giving all of yourself and giving all of your strength or your vitality vitality to loving God God is saying I want you to throw your whole self into me and make me feel like you want me and like you're pursuing me and like you're willing to chase after me this is the way that God loves us is that he has pursued us and he has chased us and yes he gave us his only son so that we that he would die for us God says I love you so much I went to a cross for you what more can I give you to show you that I love you I commanded the angels to stand God. I commanded the demons to only go so far. I've given the devil his writ over your life. I gave you the victory in this life and in the next. I'm trying to show you that I love you because I am your father. And if I am your father I expect you to show that same kind of sacrificial expression of love to everything that is underneath you. And if you marry it, you've got to love it. If you birth it, you have to love it. And by love it with all, not just your mind, not just your But with all of your strength, you've got to give it into your children. Am I talking to somebody in here? And what level of response do we give to somebody that gives to us? When a person gives to you, and you know you give it, you'll, you'll lightweight worship it. Hmm. When a person gives to you. You will inconvenience yourself to say thank you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because I want you to see how your relationship with God works. When you really come to this conclusion that God has done some amazing things in your life and He sacrificed a life for you, what what happens now is we is we we lightweight start to worship that. When you realize what God has sacrificed and has given for you, you you lightweight start to kind of make sure that you rise up to the standard if he's ever asked you for something. This is the way the relationship with fathers and their children is supposed to operate. That when our children look at us and they say, you know what? My shoes are nicer than my dad's shoes. That my dad made sure that he inconvenienced his time so that I can have time. My father came home early so that I can have the car for the weekend. My father put himself in debt to make sure that I can have a tuxedo for prom. My dad wasn't walking around in a in $100 shirts and I got to walk around with $20 hand-me-downs. He sacrificed for me. He's tired but he's at my ball game. He's exhausted but he showed up to the te- parent teacher conference. And when a man does that for his children, a child will stay up late and try to study harder. A child will try to get out of college for them. A child will, y'all are not talking back to me. A child will come and tell him, that, hey dad, I got some problems in this life. Will you help me out with it? And if we're going to make up the ground, the way that Jesus made up the ground, the way to make up the ground is through the sacrifice of our love for our children. And what does that produce? It produces healthy boys and healthy girls. It produces prominent men and women. It produces men and women that can shift and change and move as the tide of life shifts and changes and moves. And more importantly, it teaches them how to do that to their children when they have them. And you ought to give God a praise for that. Because God taught you with your father or he's teaching you by his own hand. Stand up all over this building. Stand up. Did this help anybody today? He said, color me, Father. Color me, Father. He said, put life. When you color something, you put life into it. When they give you the little you know, thing to color, it's just an outline trace. And then if they gave you crayons, then you color, you color in, and you bring life to the picture. We got to start bringing life to fatherhood again. You know, just having babies and being there and saying, ah, oh, you know, I'm here. That's not life. I'm available. I'm here. I'm here. That's not life. I'm in the house, but I don't play with them. I'm in the house, but I don't, I don't, t- I don't talk to them. I'm in the house, but I don't do this and I don't do that. I'm in the house, but we got to add some color to fatherhood. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And if God did it, that means he gave us an anointing to do it. Now we've got to allow ourselves to prioritize what God has put and anointed us to do. And we'll watch our sons walk with great pride in their last names. And we'll watch our daughters pick better men. Y'all not talking. Because they'll say things like, "Even my daddy didn't talk to me like." It. That means when 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 your daughter say that, that means you set a standard. Y'all ain't talking back, to me. That means you set a standard. When your child starts to say things like, "No, nah, no, nah, I can't. Nah, we can't get married because I can't live like that. Like I didn't live. I didn't grow up living like that. I can't get used to living like that. You know, I love you, but like we got to do life together." That means that that somebody helps set a standard somewhere. That means that somebody helps set a standard somewhere. I want all my fathers who are standard bearers to wave your hand at me. Wave your hand at me. Wave your hand at me. me. Yeah. Yeah. you are standard bearers. you are standard bearers. Did you ever see yourself as being that? Standard bearers. You sleep till noon every day? Don't get mad at your kids that don't want to get up and get out of the bed to go to school. You're a standard bearer. (laughs) Huh? <laughs> I'm preaching better than I said Y'all want me to shout you out today? Y'all want me to hit the organ? I told you I had a conversation with our young people And they blew me away months ago That's why I'm preaching to you the way that I'm preaching to you Because they really enjoyed the energy of the spirit They really did But they was just like, now what do I do next? And I was like, oh That must mean I ain't teach you nothing that must mean you came to church and got the energy of the spirit but didn't get the teaching of the spirit. So so I've made a commitment to do more teaching to us. Amen? Amen? So we got fathers. Come on, fathers, come down here. I want to pray with you real quick. If you're a dad, I want you to pray. If you're saying, you know what, I'm not a father yet, but I want to be a father. I want to be a father. I want you to come. Come on, come on in. Come, come on in, y'all. Come on in. Come on in. Come on down. 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 We all we got. We all we got. We all we got. We all we got. got. I want you to hear what I'm telling you, man. Let me tell you what I appreciate about these mothers. These mothers tell each other, they say, don't nobody understand being a mother like another mother. Listen, don't nobody understand being a father like another father. Come on down. We're going to love on you real quick. Come on, sisters. Lift your hands and point your hands toward these brothers. Put your hands and point your hand toward these brothers, man. God, how you doing, sir? Bless you, man. Come on, they're still coming. Let's do this. Let's give God a hand praise for these Man, bless you, sir. Bless you, sir. Come on, man. Come on, sir. We can see Come on, man. Bless you, man. Bless you, man. Bless you, bless you, man. Bless you, man. Bless you, man. Yes, 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 yes. Bless you, sir. Bless you, man. Bless you, sir. Bless you, sir. Bless you, sir. Bless you, sir. Come on, point your hands down this way, ladies. So, Father, I thank you for all of these fathers and fathers to be at this altar. Father, we'll make a ton of mistakes in the journey to honor what we birthed in the earth. And, God, sometimes we'll feel guilty that maybe we've lost the time or maybe.